you happy innovators out there? How you doing, huh? My happies, my HIs. How are you guys doing today? Felt a little inspired to kinda grab that microphone and do a little bit of talking today. Um, you know, I'm sure that all of you by now that are listening to this podcast have heard, you know, the rumors, you know, the stories about Elvis Presley, you know, still being alive, you know, still being spotted all over the world, you know. Um, and by now, it's kind of become like a, a mark, you know, a laughing point for people. You know, it's like a, the, the cover of Star Magazine, you know, spots Elvis again somewhere, you know, working at a delicatessen in Nairobi, you know. Um, and like I said, it's laughable, you know, it's become something that's laughable, but... I don't know about you, okay, but there's a part of me that really wonders sometimes if somebody like Elvis may actually still be alive. And as kooky as that sounds, you know, as crazy as that sounds, um, sometimes I think of it from a practical business perspective, okay? Now, hear me out. Um, it's probably true, okay? It's probably true that Elvis Presley was really kind of like the first of his kind. You know, as far as being a performer, a recording artist, a sex symbol, you know, all the things that he kind of spearheaded uh, single-handedly, one person, you know, that subsequently led to what we now know is probably like the boy band or, you know, the development of that uh, framework, you know, how a machine like that can work and make money and sell records and, you know, getting the photography right, you know, all of it, just all of it, getting the songs right, the public image, touring, you know, public appearances, um, costumes even. I have this idea of Elvis Presley that's more of like a blueprint rather than a performer. That he was copied by so many other artists after him that he's kind of, well, you know, considered the king of rock and roll, right? Well, you know, there's a reason why we consider Elvis Presley, you know, general consensus that Elvis Presley is the king of rock and roll. And, you know, if he spearheaded all these other elements of stardom and popular music success, why wouldn't he also be the first guy to find a way out of all of it, but yet still enjoy some of the money and regain his anonymity and his private life, okay? Um, the best way to do that would be to fake your own death, right? Which sounds kind of like far-fetched and, I don't know, unlikely, you know, like he wouldn't be able to pull it off. But I kind of think that he might have. And, 
he would serve as the blueprint for artists that come after him, you know, uh, a blueprint for finding that trap door to get out of that lifestyle and re-enter a life of privacy and anonymity, right? It doesn't sound too crazy when you really think about it. And if anybody really had the money to do something like that, Elvis was definitely wealthy enough to handle, you know, paying off a few people to help him fake his own death. So I guess I'll clarify right here. I'm not necessarily saying I think Elvis did that. Okay, because I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, but he probably, if you ask me really honestly, he probably did. He probably did. He certainly could have. So he probably did. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's a reason why there are these people that claim to see him. Maybe they do. You know, maybe they do. Maybe it's the truth. And also, you know, maybe not. Maybe they're just out of their gourd. But, you know, it's like when Prince died, Michael Jackson died. Uh, I don't know. There's a part of me that just kind of lets my mind wander a little bit. And I just kind of wonder sometimes if maybe, you know, Elvis kind of started this idea of what happens posthumously, you know, after the artist dies, like what kind of revenue is generated from that artist after they die? I mean, the the sums of money are just like telephone numbers, you know, they're just, it's crazy, the crazy amounts of money, especially like an artist like Jim Morrison, or Elvis, or uh, Tupac Shakur even, uh, Prince, Michael Jackson, you know, these names, these people that were just absolutely huge, you know, their careers were just global. And uh, they probably, you know, had to forfeit almost every element of privacy in their lives, you know. Um, Yeah, they made the money. Yeah, they had the fame. But maybe, you know, especially with an artist like Prince, you know, sometimes I really wonder, like, you know, it's reported that his body was just destroyed, you know, from years and years, decades of dancing every night on stage in heels, you know, jumping off of uh, amplifier stacks, you know, and landing on his feet and doing the splits and just, you know, night after night of this, you know, he had uh, problems with his bones, with his joints and his muscles. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you have to kind of at least ask the question, maybe there's a trap door for artists like that where they can bail, you know, when they reach that point where they really think they can't go on anymore or they don't want to, they choose not to. And, you know, maybe they make a phone call. There's a lawyer, there's a there's a company, you know, somewhere that no one talks about that handles this kind of thing, the paperwork and the, all the uh, formalities and all the things that need to happen and order to button up one's existence 
on this planet and close it up forever, you know? Um, and I, I don't know, I guess lately I think about this more, this idea or this possibility more now because what you're starting to see happen is all of a sudden there's this vaulted material that's being released by these artists that have died. But where is it coming from? You know, like, where is it coming from? And is it lucrative somehow to have something like even like rumors of your, you know, faking your death? Is there like a, do they profit off of that even somehow? You know, like, it, is it like the kind of thing that once you get a machine, okay, like Elvis, you know, started, once you turn that machine on and it goes full tilt boogie and it's global, I mean, maybe it's like there is just no telling how much money can be made. I mean, it's just all about money, you know, and I don't know, doesn't it make sense like, there's no formal retirement plan, you know, for a world-famous, and we're talking world-famous artist, global celebrity musician, okay? There's no retirement plan for them. So they probably, okay, somewhere over the past, what, 60 years, somebody probably hatched a plan on how to pull this off. If you want to retire but you still want to collect money. The, the, the apparatus that, that ran your career can still continue to operate. Those people can stay on payroll. You're just not making any new music anymore, or you're just not appearing in public anymore. It's understood that you have died, okay? Now, maybe they actually died, so I have to concede to that too, right? Maybe they've actually died. Maybe Prince died, okay? Um, and maybe he didn't. You know, maybe he didn't. Time will tell. Uh, I don't know. Maybe somewhere down the line, okay? Uh, it, let's just say for the sake of discussion that this is a real possibility that celebrities can fake their death and live in privacy, okay? Let's pretend that's a real possibility. Um, would it surprise you Okay, because it wouldn't surprise me at all if somewhere down the line, one of those celebrities, whether it's Elvis or Michael Jackson or Prince or Tupac or, you know, the list goes on, right? Jim Morrison. What if one of them reemerged back into the public eye, right? Resurrected, right? And uh, made it known that they had faked their own death. Wouldn't that be amazing, yet not surprising to you? I mean, to me, that's how I see it, right? Like, someone will innovate that even, you know, the idea of re-emergence, you know? Who would it be? Who would be the first recording artist to have faked their death and then later, at some later date, maybe decades later, Reveal that they never died, they were alive, and, you know, etc., etc. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. I mean, it would be shocking, and it would be, you know, pretty interesting 
to see happen. But it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. What do you think? I wonder. I wish I could hear your answers. I wish I could hear your answers. A little food for thought, though, huh? You know? If not anything else, just something to consider, right? Because that's what we do here on the Singularity Podcast. We exchange ideas and we think about things. That's all we're doing. Just thinking about things. Possibilities, right? Right. You know, I wanted to talk about this too, okay? The other day, I had this idea just like on a whim, you know, just a whim to go onto social media, right? And pose a question, just a simple question to the general public. And my question was, who is the most famous person that you have ever met? Really simple question, you know? Who is the most famous person that you have ever met? And like I said, I just typed it in, I hit send, you know, just on a whim, just to see what would happen. And lo and behold, okay, this was just totally shocking to me, and it was hilarious too. Um, The response that I got to this question was incredible, okay? I mean, responses to this question, okay? Who is the most famous person that you have ever met? Just came pouring in and it went all day long. And even overnight, I was still getting comments. In fact, I'm still getting comments about this question. And oh my gosh, I just laughed so hard. I was like all day long. Uh, I couldn't keep up with the number of people that were responding. And I couldn't help but wonder, like, why the response was as dramatic as it was to this question. Just asking a simple question, you know? Um, It's hilarious to me. And it's interesting, too because uh, it speaks to the human condition, you know? Um, But it also speaks to several other issues all at the same time. I mean, it does touch on a little bit, okay, a little bit of that narcissism thing, you know? Um, Which is kind of more on the negative end of things. Uh, You know, I'll push that one aside, you know? I'm not going to focus on that so much, but it got me to thinking that, you know, everyone, I mean, absolutely every human being on the planet, okay, has a story to tell, you know, you ask a question and you get an answer, you know, people want to share their experiences and, you know, in huge Numbers, You know, I mean, it was just all day long, uh, the response to this question, you know, it's fascinating to me. Fascinating. I think that like, if I had not become a musician, okay, that maybe if I had been like the scholarly type, 
and I had decided to go on to college and maybe even grad school and go on to my doctorate or something, I think I probably would have been like an anthropologist, you know, um, and studying cultures and, you know, social behavior and just things like that. I guess behavioral sciences, you know, um, I'm familiar a little bit with those things. And um, I would say, okay, I can say with certainty, okay, that my interest tends to go more in that direction. You know, when I'm not making music and doing music stuff, or maybe in some ways, even when I am making music and I'm doing stuff like that, um, my disposition is such where I'm like really interested in people, you know, um, and not like in this, you know, lovey-dovey way, you know, it's kind of just like a scientific way a scientific worldview, almost, um, but humanitarian too, I guess, okay, T to a large degree, okay, um, not critical, really, but fascinated with society and how people think and how they act and why they think what they think and why they act the way they do and the interactions, all those things are fascinating to me, uh, both the positive and the negative. You know, it's just something I've always been intrigued by, probably since I was a little kid, you know, observing the world around me and, you know, trying to figure it out, you know? I suppose to a lot of people that probably sounds really boring, you know, but I would posit to this discussion that even something like this Singularity podcast is like an extension of that thinking, you know? Maybe I should have, <laughs> you know, maybe I should have uh, bailed on the whole music thing, right? And gone off into that academic path, you know? Uh, probably not. I'd probably be just as stupid as I am right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, I probably would make more money. <laughs> Which isn't saying much, okay? But uh, anyway, with this question that I asked and the answers that I got, it was really interesting to me uh, how different uh, each answer was, like from each person, you know? Um, some people were sarcastic, some people were wide open and just, you know, really uh, ready to share what their experience was and, and in truth. And uh, some were really gracious and some were uh, really negative. I mean, a lot of people have met a lot of famous people um, and they're reaction or their interaction with these celebrities or whatever you want to call them were all very different and um, a lot of these folks were received you know very differently by these celebrities whom they looked up to maybe they admired you know and you know that poses another question is like what is it about celebrities that 
makes us feel that they're somehow better than we are. I believe that just because somebody is famous, okay, just because somebody is a celebrity, doesn't necessarily mean that they're not just normal people, okay, that they live a life and they go to the bathroom and they eat food and they pick their nose and they do all the things that everybody else does, okay? But I have to say that there is something different about somebody who is famous and somebody who is a celebrity or whatever, or recognized for what they do, you know, maybe internationally, okay? There is a difference. And, you know, one of the guys who answered my question, who is the most famous person that you have ever met, his attitude was really kind of different than everyone else's. I think he was somebody who had worked in the music industry. You know, he had dealt with a lot of, you know, celebrities and famous people. So he was jaded and, you know, um, kind of like, you know, I've met a lot of famous people and none of it really matters. You know, they're just normal people. You know, that was his response. But my response to him okay, was, yes, that is true, okay? When somebody is famous, somebody is internationally known for something that they do maybe well or, you know, particularly well or, or maybe not so much, they're still known internationally. Um, meeting someone that is internationally famous, okay, international fame would be uh, what? on some level, um, an admirable quality, you know, something to aspire to, right? It's usually a sign that you're good at what you're doing or that what you're doing is reaching a lot of people, right? So right off the bat, there is a certain amount of acceptance, at least in my book, to this idea that you know, somebody who is famous is, in a lot of ways, somebody to admire, okay? And meeting someone that you admire is not the same as meeting someone who is a stranger, okay, that you've never heard of or seen before. There's a big difference. And it doesn't mean that they're less human or more human or whatever. They're just different. It's just different. Now, another point that I wanted to talk about with this particular subject was I found it interesting, okay, that I asked this question, okay, who is the most famous person that you have ever met? And even though I got about, you know, 250 comments or something and counting on this question, you know, 250 responses to this question from people from all over the world, okay? Um, only one of them, okay, only one of those people asked me the same question back, my question back at me, okay? Who is the most famous person that I have ever met, okay? And of course, you know, I don't know. I'm from a small town, so, 
You know, I'm not from New York City or Los Angeles or Tokyo or something like that. I'm from a small town on the north coast of Lake Erie, okay? So my opportunity to meet celebrities was rather limited. However, okay, I did have the opportunity to meet a handful of people that at least I would consider famous or celebrities or people that I admired, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you my response to the question, who is the most famous person that I have ever met, okay? Well, I'm not exactly sure who the most famous person is, okay? But um, I have had the opportunity to meet a few, you know, famous people or celebrities or at least people that I admired, okay? Um, I can tell you this. I met uh, King Diamond once, the singer, um, and his entire band, okay? Uh, I guess, like, at the time, um, I was a really big King Diamond fan, and his drummer, his name is Mickey D., he played for Motorhead after he played for King Diamond, and he now I think he plays for the Scorpions, but... Uh, he was like a hero to me when I was a young and up-and-coming drummer. Um, he just was like the king. You know, I still consider him to be probably the best living rock drummer on the planet. Um, but uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with him, which was kind of cool, and just kind of talk. You know, we talked drums and music and life and, you know, what a awesome opportunity for a guy my age and you know I got to talk to King Diamond too and he was really cool to me he was really kind he actually gave me uh, the towel that he had he had wiped his makeup off right on this towel and he's like he gave it to me and somewhere around here I still have it but um, you know it was just really cool that sounds gross I guess now <laughs> but you know, it was just really cool and done in the spirit of, like, graciousness, you know? And I was just a young kid, so that was extra cool that these these famous guys, you know, were just kind of being that open and just that cool to me, you know, because they didn't have to be. Um, let's see, I also had the opportunity to uh, play a few shows with the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, a band from Boston, Massachusetts, um, a ska band. And at the time, they were just starting to break nationally. And uh, they invited my band that I was playing in to go along with them for a few dates. And uh, even after that first like tour they were doing, whenever they came back to Cleveland, we were asked to be their opener, you know, um, because we had established a relationship and it was nice. We got a chance to like hang out with them and talk to them. And, you know, Dickie Barrett, the lead singer from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones was extremely cool um, and easy to get along with. Real funny group of guys, but also extremely, and let me tell you, extremely talented musicians in that band. I mean, they were great um, and really cool. Um, let's see what else. Um, some of the stuff I think I've actually talked about before in my Snowflake 33 podcasts. Um, but let me see. Um, 
I had the opportunity, now this is cool, I had the opportunity to meet one of my biggest heroes, okay? His name is Wayne Hussey. He's the lead singer from the band The Mission UK. And when they came through Cleveland on the Carved in Sand tour, I had the opportunity to meet him and talk to him. And he was just like so down to earth and so cool and answered all my questions. And, you know, I was a weirdo, you know, like I was like a total fanboy of the Mission UK. So I had all these really, you know, obscure questions and detailed questions and these things I wanted to know. And he was just so cool about answering all my questions and talking to me and, you know, asking me about my life and what it was like. And um, another little, like, little cool kind of thing is like Wayne Hussey was from England and I was obviously from America. And he was smoking these cigarettes that were called silk cut cigarettes. And I was smoking like Marlboros, you know, and throughout the course of our discussion, we wound up trading our cigarettes with each other, which I thought was kind of cool because, you know, I had never even heard of silk cut cigarettes before, but, you know, they're from my hero, you know, um, so it was just kind of like a really cool exchange, a really small kind of uh, detail, but something that kind of stayed with me, you know, for the rest of my life, really. Because as I'm talking about it right now, I realize, you know, it was actually pretty damn cool that he was like that down to earth and like that willing to reach out and be connected, you know, with this putz from Cleveland, Ohio, you know, pretty cool guy. And just a phenomenal singer, you know, phenomenal songwriter. Um, so I'm proud to say I had the opportunity to meet, really, one of my biggest heroes. Now, if I could have met Bono, that would have been pretty damn good. But I never met Bono, but I did have, one time, the opportunity to talk to Adam Clayton, the bass player from U2, on the telephone, uh, on a radio show. I called in and I got to actually talk to him and ask a question or something. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's the closest I ever got to talking to you two or anywhere near you two, you know. Um, but I remember it and I did it, so I mentioned it. Um, also, one time uh, when I lived in Washington, D.C., I ran into Newt Gingrich, the politician. And uh, him and I actually, <laughs> we actually had a conversation. Now, I got to say, you know, he's not my favorite politician. All right. Um, I disagree with a lot of what he's all about, but not everything, not everything. And we had a really nice conversation. So make of that whatever you will. Um, let's see, who else? Really quick did I get a chance to meet? I had a chance to meet Gibby Haynes from Butthole Surfers. I had a chance to meet Marilyn Manson. Uh, I met Karen Paris from The Innocence Mission. She's a singer for The Innocence Mission and uh, just one of my biggest influences. Oh, just the nicest person and not bad looking either, but she was like so kind to me. You know, it was amazing. It was like we had known each other forever, you know. Um, extremely kind. Actually, her and I wound up after 
uh, her, you know, after they left Ohio on their tour, you know, her and I wound up actually corresponding via snail mail for a while. Um, I wouldn't say we were friends, but it was just kind of an interesting, uh, brief relationship, you know? And she was just, and she still is, like, one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life and one of the best singer-songwriters that I know of, okay? Totally unsung talent, you know? Um, well, I shouldn't say totally. There's a group of people, however small, on the planet that appreciate the work of The Innocence Mission and Karen Paris, okay? And I'm one of them. A huge fan, huge fan of The Innocence Mission. Um, let's see, who else did I have a chance to meet? I met Machine Head. I met Corrosion of Conformity. I met Jello Biafra. Uh, Mushroom Head, obviously. Um, they're from the town that I'm from. Integrity, the hardcore band. I got to talk to those guys. I got to talk to Danzig and Chuck Biscuits, the drummer from Danzig, who was another uh, huge influence on me as a drummer. You know, just, uh, I thought he was the berries, man. That guy was awesome. He still is awesome, but back in the day, oh my gosh. I saw that dude drumming for Danzig, and I think he eventually went on to play for Social Distortion. But uh, I saw him back in the day with Danzig, and uh, I saw him play, and I'm like, man, that is exactly what I want to do. I want to be that guy, you know? Um, let's see, who else have I met? I've met Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, obviously, from the same town I'm from. Um, and, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Ralph Nader, the politician and uh, the politico, you know, whatever you want to call him. I'm not sure if he's a politician necessarily anymore, but uh, he's a hero of mine. The guy's quite a remarkable human being. And uh, he was a bit busy when I met him and uh, not really able to talk. I think he was maybe a little bit uncomfortable. He was under pressure uh, time-wise to get going somewhere or something. So the conversation was brief, but it was cool and he was gracious and cool. So there you go. There's my list of people. I'm sure there are more names that I could think of, but um, I can't remember them all right now. I'm getting a little older, you know, and it gets harder. <laughs> <laughs> to remember things like that. Um, I'm sure after I finish this podcast, they'll all come pouring back into my memory. But anyway, so there you go. I thought this whole idea of, you know, asking a simple question, and oh my gosh, the response I got just kind of really shocked me. I just did not think it was going to get the response that it did. Ah, you know? Social media, it's such a strange, strange thing. We live in a strange world, don't we? Don't we? I mean, especially if you live in the United States. I mean, we are just living through the strangest time, you know? Uh, you can't avoid thinking about it and you can't avoid talking about it, especially if you're a citizen of the U.S. because it's just front and center everywhere you look right now 
it's so hot right now. Politics in America is so hot right now and it's worrisome to a certain degree. I don't really like to talk about it too much because then it becomes like this political conversation and I'm not interested in that. But if we kind of try to view through the lens of, you know, anthropology or social studies, right? It really is quite remarkable. I don't think we've ever had a situation like we have right now in American politics. I think it's unprecedented. Um, and I think about it a lot. And my wife and I both talk about it a lot, like I said, because you can't avoid it. You know, it's just everywhere you look. And everybody has an opinion and there's just so much turmoil and so much division in the United States right now. I'm not sure how that reads, you know, across the pond, you know, like with you, Stu, you know, I'm not sure how much of it you're getting or what exactly you're getting over there in Europe, um, you know, filtered through the news media apparatus, you know, that exists. I'm not sure what you get. Maybe you can tell me later on. I'm sure you probably will be willing to. Um, but uh, it's just something that, uh, like I said, is worrisome right now. Not really sure where things are headed in America right now. I would imagine that um, when the presidential elections roll around in uh, 2020, it will be unlike anything we have ever seen before on the planet. I mean, I think that the next presidential election is going to just be rabid and um, scores and scores of people that are just so divided it's going to be like a boxing match. It's going to be, you know, if I were to guess, you know, it's going to be dirty. It's going to be, uh, man, it's going to be knockdown, drag out politics, you know, mud slinging, uh, all kinds of stuff. I just, oh, you can just feel it coming. You know, it's already like, Oh, you know, even since the very first days of the Trump administration, oh my goodness, it has been just constant warfare, you know, between Democrats and Republicans, especially on the extreme left and the extreme right. I mean, it is, it has not died down. In fact, if anything, it's just increasing. And wow. Like I said, by the time the next presidential election rolls around, I can't even imagine, really, what it's going to be like. But I can promise you that it's not going to be quiet. There's going to be a lot of action there. That's something to think about, you know. I guess especially if you live in the United States, because, like, what does it mean? You know, what does that mean for America? I don't know. I don't know. There's no way I could know. There is no way, but make of that whatever you want. Pay attention too, I guess, because if you stay tuned, you're going to probably see a lot of fireworks. Oh, anyway, so let's see. I'll probably wrap this up 
I can't think of anything else I really wanted to talk about, you know, offhand today. Um, so with that, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. <laughs>